It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Ortiz finds it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but here comes a pizza. See it? This is our fucking city. And nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. Tyler's here. Jake's here. Uh, I guess I want to say it's like, you know, Red Sox win going into the podcast supposed to be, you know, happy pod. And and there will be, you know, be some parts of it that are happy. We're going we're gonna to try our best. Uh, it's fucking 1230 in the morning. There was a two hour rain delay to start this game. So fuck us. Apparently, this is a, you know, there was that one West Coast trip where we had to do like a super late night podcast, fucking, uh, which resulted in a in a nice thread for Jake because even though we're podcasting late into the night, Jake still has to edit the, the thing afterwards, and we, you know, got to wake up tomorrow morning and do it again for baseball's dead. Jake is a is a warrior, so shout out to Jake for that. Um, did you guys see the the subreddit post that people love to watch Jake in the last like thirty minutes of the two hour episodes as he's blinking to stay awake? Yeah, it's just he's fighting, he's battling. It's a fucking tank, dude. Jake works a lot. He works hard, oh. a lot of hours. I- I'm sorry to to jump like this. Fuck you, Jake. Um, wow. I-, I know we were just giving wow. you flowers. That last ad read, I, I can't really respond. I-, I have nothing to say because you dicked me down pretty badly there. You but, deserved um, it. Mean, uncalled for, not right. Hundred and three. I'm trying my best. You're trying your best, but I mean, you you rattled the beast's cage. Like that's what you get. I just I want I didn't want the dog to bite me, and the dog fucking bit me. What is up with you and dogs, dude? I'm sorry. I, I had an incident today. You can't. What? What did you do? <laughs> I didn't kill a dog. Okay, but you thought but about it. There were. I felt urges. Okay. I, hey, I went got, So for the first time, uh-huh. I, I went to the doctor. Not ever, but okay. since college. Now I'm 25. You're not an adult. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I talked about my pediatrician deciding to part ways with me for whatever reason. 
<laughs> you didn't part ways with your pediatrician. Your pediatrician parted ways with you. Thought we had a good thing going. Yeah. Oh, so I went to the doctor, whatever. They made me get blood work. Clearly, I need my blood checked. Um, and I'm in there. And this lady starts trying to murder me. She went for, she couldn't find my veins. Well, that means you're dehydrated. Does it? Uh, yeah. Do you drink a lot of water? Yeah. Some days. Like, okay, so uh, no. the answer is I didn't no. have a sip of water today. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. That's what that is. Well, yeah. It's, she starts been really fun. me. Like normally, normally like in, in, in my history, in my past, I've been the guy where it's like, oh, he only knows baseball. He doesn't know anything about life. And then, then you came into my life and it's suddenly it's not so bad. Like the fact that you don't know that if they can't find a vein, that means that you're dehydrated. And I'm asking you if you drank water and you're like, I, some days. Yeah, I, I guess. Like, I, I remember I got my neck done like maybe two or three years ago. Your and, neck and, done? Yeah, I had like a, a little bump kind of situation. Nothing, nothing cancerous, but they had to remove it. Okay. Um, and, you know, they couldn't find my vein. So they were kind of stabbing me then. But I thought mm-hmm. it was a one time thing. I thought maybe okay. I was a little nervous. My veins were hiding. I don't know that that's how that works. Yeah, you got to drink water, dude. Yeah, and this lady just starts prickling and she has pictures of her dog all over the office and I'm staring at the dog because I'm terrified of shots and I just, so, something just came summarize, over me. Just to summarize, you went to the doctor, you got designated for assignment by your pediatrician, <laughs> claimed off waivers by an adult doctor, they had to poke you for whatever, drawing blood I'm assuming, and mm-hmm. the process of them trying to find a vein led you to a murderous rage of you wanting to kill a dog again. Yes. Okay. If anyone has any open spots at any doctor offices, please reach out. I am looking no, for a new who, home. Who would, who would want to help a dog killer? I'm cool. I'll take a pediatrician. I'm really not. Oh, uh, I'm not hating on anything. No, you're 40, Nothing's dude. different. I'm 40. not 40. Yes, you are. Uh, I'm a young man. Jake, do you have anything to say about uh, your blue moon ad read for Tyler last week? Yeah, I just don't really know what he wants me to do. Like you said, I lost my fastball, so I just had to come at him. Yeah, and you did, and I thought you did a great job. A lot of people, a lot of people tuned in just for the ad read. A lot of people were telling me that you know they listen to every episode and they love the podcast, but they started at the Blue Moon ad read and then went back to the beginning of the show. Yeah, no, I appreciate the love for the segment. It's a, uh, it's a blast just ripping Tyler every week. <laughs> yeah. Twice a week. Why is it? Why is it so easy? It, it comes so naturally. It's like sometimes when I listen, it's like the things Jake wants to say to me, but like out of respect, like as a good person, he wouldn't say to me. No, he says it. I mean, it's not like it's not. He says it privately. He says it to tens of thousands of people to listen to the podcast. Let's talk about the Red Sox. Let's talk about the Red Sox. Uh, they won a baseball game today, tonight, um, this morning. Uh, long day. Long day. Woke up, did baseball is dead, drove into Boston because I lost a bet to Kyle Freeland three years ago and had to get his uh, number tattooed on my leg. Um, so we shot a video. It's not posted, right? Not yet. No. Um, but we like I interviewed him as the guy was tattooing my thigh and uh, it's a good interview. How do you think you would handle getting tattooed? This is the second time in the last year that I've interviewed someone while getting tattooed at the same time. So I don't know what that says about me, but I'd be terrified. Uh, like I said, anything like needle, sharp, blood, any of those things, not a fan. It's not that bad. I, I, I told you, I don't like needles either, but I could do tattoos. It's different. 
Now, how big is this tattoo? Are we talking like fist? Like a half dollar. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah. Like a half dollar would cover it on my thigh, yeah. But, you know, that's going to be there forever now. That's uh, And it's funny because I ha- I did it. It's his jersey number, which is 21. And uh, I had him do it in his handwriting, which is terrible. So uh, it looks like Z-I, looks like Z-1. So from my perspective, looking at it, it, like, it looks like I have a tattoo that says is. <laughs> Okay. All right. It, it yeah. could be worse. Yeah. Is it better than the Boston tattoo? Yeah. Okay. As long as yeah. it's not the worst one. Yeah. I mean, I that's my third tattoo that's in someone else's handwriting. Is that a thing? A lot of people, I would be scared to trust someone to, I don't know, put their signature on me. People do that. Like, like, a, like, a, like if Uncle Bucky like wrote you like a Christmas card. Uncle, Uncle Cubby. And if Uncle Bucky said like, oh, I have an Uncle Merry, Bucky. Merry Christmas, Tyler. Love you. And then you like took his handwriting from the Christmas card and then you had that turn into a stencil and then they tattoo it on you in his handwriting. I've seen people do that. I want to make one thing clear here for yeah. my family who's listening sure. to this podcast because there's a lot of the Milliken clan who listens. Oh, shout out to the Milliken clan. Uncle Cubby yeah. and Uncle Bucky are two different people. Uh, the, you, so you do have an Uncle Bucky. I ha- he's also dead. Oh, rest in peace, Uncle Bucky again. He he died in the future, though. He died like six years later. I thought you meant like he's going to die in six years. And I was like, no, Whoa. no, no, no. Like the others, he, he, so he is died in 2009. Perished. Yes, very bullet like. Hmm. You got hit by a car? No, 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 no. Well, <laughs> he fell down the stairs. So <laughs> I, I guess there Christ. was a collision with the ground. What is wrong with you and the people connected to? <laughs> <laughs> we're not built to last like honestly i think some people are just not built to live a long time like people used to tell me all the time i'd be dead by 25 i feel bad laughing but that's just you know this <laughs> people that uncle are... bucky hit the fucking floor hard man <laughs> yeah like people that are connected to you they just uh they go in odd ways which kind of just points all back to you you know i don't know how i'm gonna die but when the time comes it'll be the time yeah it's gonna be funny um, <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't even shed a tear for a second. No, nah, it'll be funny. It depends. I mean, it depends. It depends. You know, like I could see you being like, "Oh man, like this weekend I'm going skydiving," and then you just <laughs> fucking crash into the ground. I'd be like, "Ah, that sucks." But I, I would be sad at first, but then I'd be like, "That's kind of funny." Just, just please, if there's a video, do not post it. <laughs> I'm going to make like memes out of it. I don't want to be one of those awful, gruesome videos that pop up on your For You page right now. Yeah, what is up with that, by the way? Oh, oh, can I tell you about one of the videos I saw? Oh, is it the, was it the van one? Oh, not, oh, I, that one was bad, but yeah, I got Yeah, I just one. saw that this morning. I was literally like driving to Boston. I was at a red light and I look at my For You page and there's just like people on the ground from like a, like a van thing. Like Excellent. the leg being like tourniquet. Yeah, what yeah the dude. Hell? That 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 video, I thought you were talking about the New York one. That one was that one terrified me. Yeah. The dude who got eaten by a fucking shark. So I heard about this. I saw people tweeting about it being like, I woke up this morning and I just, you know, checked Twitter. Next thing you know, I'm watching some dude get eaten by a shark. I'm like, I didn't see that one. Dude, it legit like, okay, you've played Grand Theft Auto, right? Yeah. So GTA five, you go out deep enough and the sharks will fucking eat you. Mm-hmm. That's what this was. This guy's just, you know, doing his thing. He's out in the water. I think he's in Egypt and the shark just one bite. And then like, you could tell he's like, oh, fuck. He's like, 
doggy paddling. He's trying to stay alive. Shark comes back around, gets him again. He somehow was still standing. He did not survive the third thrashing. They have uh, they have an ocean in Egypt. I I don't I guess it said Egypt on the tweet. Egypt coast. Egyptian coast. Huh? The shark fucked him up, dude. And like, I'm going to be going on vacation and call it 10 days. Uh, I'm scared to go in the water now. Oh, you're perfect. Shark meat. Whoa. Whoa. What is what does that mean? Uh, you get a lot of meat for a shark. Clarify. You're a thick boy. It's 12.36 a.m. on yeah. Thursday morning. You were calling me a badass I on our podcast. No, 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 no. No, I didn't say that. I didn't use that word. No, I didn't. I'm a big body. Yeah, you, 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 well were ap- you would be appetizing to a shark for sure. Definitely not husky. Yeah, you're just you're you're built different. I'm like Casas. Yeah. Like like Lil Bro. You just call Casas your Lil Bro? I did a couple podcast episodes ago. Oh. I'm older than him. Yeah, barely. Yeah. I mean, you're 40. You got like almost two decades on the kid. Okay, Mr. 34. <sighs> yeah, I mean that's younger than 40. Um hit it out of the park this baseball season with DraftKings Sportsbook. Bet on your favorite teams, players, rivalries all season long. This week, new customers can place five dollars and get two hundred dollars in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can take a shot at bigger payouts with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Opt in, place your stepped up same game parlay by combining three or more bets from any big league game. Boost your baseball winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Sign up with the promo code Jared, J A R E D. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code Jared. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. In Massachusetts, call 800 327 5050 or visit gambling help In New York, call 877 8 Hope NY or text Hope NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after insurance. Opt-in and 10 plus leg requirement for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball term. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, yeah, so I feel like there's a lot of different ways that we can start this show. Uh, we can talk about the series. We can talk about the fact that they lost the series to the Rockies, a team that they should have probably swept or at least taken two out of three. Uh, we can talk about how Gomber is statistically the worst pitcher in baseball and he was shutting them out, not shutting them out, but basically shutting them down for like basically seven innings, which was pathetic and sad. Uh, we can do that. Uh, or there's a lot of tea. There's a lot of tea surrounding the Red Sox uh, at this current time. Where where would you like to start, Tyler? I feel like let's hit the first game because the first game sparked a lot of the tea, right? Like that kind of led to mm. them making changes. You know, 
not on the Casas front, in my opinion, but with Kike, it felt like the final straw. At least for whether you want to say it was Alex Cora, whether you want to say it was the front office finally stepped in. It was the front felt- office that stepped in. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Now that says a lot because I think there's a lot of people that have been frustrated with Cora saying you They're leaned on your frustrated. boy for too long. Yeah. I said it with an FR. What did I say? You said it wrong. You said it with an FU. I, it was a mistake then. I, did, I obviously know how to say frustrated. Well, you're an idiot. Okay. Um, but I, I think that's a major thing here with Kike Hernandez at this point. So there has been at least the front office saying you rode with your boy too long. Sorry, AC, like you need to make a change here and you're not willing to do it. So we're going to step in here. Yeah. Before anyone jumps to Twitter and puts any quotes out there from the podcast saying break in on name redacted. They said this, this and this. It's it's uh, it's an educated guess. I will. I don't bullshit the listeners. So if I say I didn't talk to Cora. I'm telling you, I didn't, t- I didn't, I haven't talked to him since I asked him for the Clark's Ketchup Series MVP. That's the last time that we talked. Uh, and that's the only thing we talked about. So I, I, I don't ask him stuff like that. Uh, this is from me being there because I go to, if the Red Sox are home during the week, I go to the DraftKings office on Tuesday mornings. We shoot the sweat from 11 to 12. Then Billy and I will jet over to Fenway around three and whatever road team is there. We will try to get interviews with uh, one of the players or players on uh, the road team. And someone like I post the picture of me and Bard because we got the interview with Daniel Bard, which was great. I think we're going to run that probably next week Um, because breaking news. We have David Ortiz on baseball is dead tomorrow. Um, Yeah, that'll be fun. so I was there doing the bard thing and then someone responded like, yeah, you never interview any Red Sox players or blah, blah, blah. It takes two to tango. Like they, when the Red Sox are home, like why do you think that the players on the road teams are so accessible? Because they're on the road. Like they don't have like all like the uh, home reporters there like in their face. Like they probably have like a couple road people to travel, whatever. Uh, but when the Red Sox are home, it's like they're, they're, there's either like 50 media members that are all over the place. They're swarming them. Uh, if they say yes to me, then they're, they have to like, have to say yes to other people that are trying to get access to them too. Uh, they, most of them, I guess they have like a gaming room. I didn't know about, but like, cause I don't go in the clubhouse. Uh, I've said that before. I don't go in the clubhouse. If, if I'm going to talk to a player, it's usually in the dugout or during batting practice. But I guess even if you do go in the clubhouse, they're not usually hanging around. There's like a, like a back passage way where the, they'll hang out in the gym They'll hang out uh, where they have like the catering or there's like this like game room that they like hang out in. So uh, it's not that I'm avoiding them or they're avoiding me because I know that there was like the Caleb Ort drama. And I think people trying to read into that like, oh, like the players don't like Jared. Like, no, no, no. Like I've I've narrowed it down to Ort and one other individual that's on the team that's upset about it. There's I've done my due diligence checking into it being like, hey, is this an issue? And they either didn't know about it or they didn't fucking care. So. It's not because of that. It's because they're just not super accessible when they're home. Like it's almost like like in the past when we've done interviews with guys, it's guys that I've had their number or we follow each other on Instagram and I'll like be like, hey, this weekend, do you want to do something? And maybe that's on me. Like maybe I, I can try more actively to do that. But when I'm getting these interviews for baseball is dead, it's because those players are just out and about. And I everyone that I've gotten so far, I didn't set up in advance. They were just there. I was like, hey, do you have 10, 15 minutes? 
and then we do it and and we're done. But with Red Sox players, they're just like they've got their routines at home, so it's just harder to to nail them down at home. Um, but Jared, all, just to well, back what you were saying, Sean McAdam was talking um, to Catillo the other day and said like it's been hard to get quotes from a couple different players this year. Like Devers kind of skipping out on the media the other day. Uh, Corey Kluber kind of doing the same thing. Verdugo dodged the media for a week, not talking about any of the benching or anything like that. They finally yeah. got him, what, yesterday? But yeah. McAdam has been kind of echoing pretty similar things where these guys, if they don't want to walk by people, then like someone like Verdugo is able to like hide away for days at a time and kind of let a story die down or just, hey, we don't feel like talking today. We're not going to talk. Yeah. Uh, which again, like I know that the the beat guys feel differently. I don't want to generalize, but like, I know that like a lot of them do feel like, Oh, what the fuck? Like we got jobs to do and this and that this podcast does just fine without player interviews. Like it, it would be nice to have them, but I don't like to bother people. That's why I don't go in the clubhouse. Um, and I don't usually, like, I don't hound guys. Like I, I have feel, I feel like a, a lot of people either don't have feel or they have to bypass having feel because it's like their jobs depend on the, the interviews and the quotes and stuff. Whereas it's a nice little added layer if we get it. Um, but yeah, so I was there on Tuesday and that was the scuttlebutt was that the assistant GMs were around the Red Sox dugout, um, which is it's not like it's never it doesn't never happen, but it's it's rare. Like it's it's uh, it's like, OK, like that's different. Um, and then an hour later, that's when. The news came out that uh, Kike was no longer going to be the everyday shortstop, which if you're sitting here, you're like, you can put two and two together and we can make an educated guess that the message came from up top. Hey, Kike is not the shortstop anymore. Uh, Alex Cora also like he's a loyal guy, and I feel like he has um, a soft spot for Kike, both from Puerto Rico. Uh, we saw those images in the tunnel after the season ended in 2021. I mean, like that was the first guy that, you know, there was like an emotional, like embrace type thing. Like we know that their relationship is, is strong and it's a good one. Um, so maybe there is that loyalty of like, Hey, let's, let's figure this out because, uh, when it comes to Kike's defense, when we talk about the errors, it's what 15 errors, 14 of them throwing 13 and 14, 13, 13 throwing, throwing out of 14 errors out of 14. Yeah. Uh, so that becomes something where it's mental, uh, in my opinion, or the opinion of like, we can make an educated guess that, you know, this is a dude that's super athletic and we're not going to repeat ourselves. We've talked about this before because this is not like a, a recent development. It's, it's been all year that it's, it's been throwing errors for Kike. Uh, so then it kind of becomes like, all right, are you, are you in your head about this? Um, and I don't want to say to Cora's credit because it, it didn't work out, but, uh, I, it it appeared on the surface that Cora was giving him every opportunity to to work his way out of this, and it just never happened. So I'm guessing, based on what's on the surface here, that the front office finally stepped in and said, "Hey, enough of the long leash! Like this can't happen anymore. Like he's not the shortstop anymore. Uh, Pablo Reyes is going to be out there, and then Yu Chang when he's ready, and then Story when he's ready, and that's another set of drama. Once we get to the Trevor Story stuff, uh, that it did not appear as though the decision to remove Kike from shortstop came from Alex Cora. Uh, he was the one that had to answer for it. He was the one that had to deliver the news to the media. Um, but 
I think it's, you know, you put two and two together here. That decision was not his. And I think he even kind of like, you know, some of the sound bites that came out, even after he delivered the message that Kike is no longer the shortstop, he kind of told you, this is what the deal is. And I don't agree with it. <laughs> like, th- did you get the same sense from that? It was pretty similar. He was like, maybe it was too late. Maybe not. You know what I mean? Like, kind of like he was just looking at the entire situation. He was like, he straight up said, yeah, I guess Pablo this is Reyes, what it is. He said straight up, Pablo Reyes is not an everyday player. He said that. Which is so, a shot at the roster he's working with as well. And, which you play the comments over the last couple of weeks about saying it's not a great roster uh, and some of these kind of things all coming together and like him looking dejected. It does, you know, there's more smoke to what people are calling a fire with him being unhappy. And he said it again. He said the roster is the roster again. That was not a, a cut from a few weeks ago when he said, you know, the roster is the roster. After the Kike thing, he said it again. He said, you know, the roster is the roster. And it's it's almost like uh, there's a war of words going on through the media where it's all, like they need to get into a room and get on the same page. Or maybe we're past that point where it's it's not a situation where this is a a, a, a relationship that can be repaired or maybe you know, I feel like after a certain amount of time, they've been together, what, four years now. Cora wasn't there in 2020, um, but they've had they've had enough time to work in the same space. And maybe that uh, enough time has passed where they can come to the conclusion, hey, this isn't going to work. Or we, we just think differently. Like your philosophies do not mesh with my philosophies. The way that I see the game is not the way that you see the game. Sometimes that can be a good thing because you don't want to surround yourself with yes men. Because now, if you just feel a certain way and you surround yourself with a bunch of ass kissers that are like, yes, your opinion is the best. You have, you're the best baseball mind ever. Like, for example, if if I worked with Alex Cora, I would never question him. I'd be like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you definitely have seen and played and have been around more baseball than I have. Uh, I'm not going to disagree with you. But then you bring in like the analytics uh, Tampa Bay Rays learning tree guy. And then you have Alex Cora that. He, he has feel and he's not he's he's embracing all of it. He's embracing the numbers, but he's also he's, he's closer managed. to old school. Yeah, but it, there's a blend of both there. And it just feels like we're at the point where it's no longer. Let's try to work together with how you feel, how I feel, what what your opinion is, what my opinion is. And then we'll maybe meet in the middle somewhere. It just kind of feels like this is how I feel and this is how it's going to be. And then you have Cora being like, all right, if that's what you want, uh, that's what you'll get. But I'm if I don't stand by it, I'm going to let the people know that, like, I don't stand by it. And that doesn't breed positive vibes. There are not many situations where you're going to have a manager in, you know, your CBO, your GM, however you want to frame it. If they're not on the same page, then you're leading down a pathway that you're going to be in a lot of trouble. in. And I think the thing you look at here is. This isn't the start of it. This has been going on for a couple of years. And I think you can really trace it back to the 2021 trade deadline where we first heard of the unhappiness in the club. That was Cora seemingly was part of that. Um, you know, I think it came more through players than it did him. Uh, and I think 2022 was somewhat similar where there seemed to be just not the same page. It seemed like people weren't kind of communicating the right way or there wasn't an agreement on the direction they were going. And then I think you follow that up to this year, the Peter Gammons tweet from a week ago. Uh, involving the whole Matt Dermody situation and all that different stuff playing out where 
we know Core and Gammon's relationship. We know what Core feeds him. You know, there's a track record of it, if we're being honest here. Core has talked about how much he talks to Gammons. And we know Gammons puts out a tweet saying, Core was left there all alone. And everybody who knew, you know, everyone knew what was going to happen that day as he faced that whole media backlash. And he had no person from the front office willing to field those questions, willing to handle these questions. Is this just kind of stacking and stacking? And I thought we saw a slight punch back from Haim over the last two weeks saying, hey, Cora has his fingerprints all over this roster. Uh, like, uh, you know, the roster is the roster. His fingerprints are all over this thing. So let's not sit here and act like I gave him this and just said, have fun. You know what I mean? Like he left for the offseason and came back to it. This was a collaborative effort. So I, I do think there's some there's a disconnect there. And I think there's been a disconnect there for some time. It's just as things get bad, that's when frustration starts to boil over and you have these things. And that first game where that Kike Hernandez error in the fourth inning, it had such a big impact. And you can look at the moments and, you know, we'll touch on Casas as well. You know, I think when you mentioned Casas, obviously that error played a big part in them losing that game. You can maybe say it was the reason I wouldn't go that far. You really go throughout the rest of the season. You can't think of a lot of moments. Casas cost you. Kike, like, let, let's be real. <laughs> you know, you could do five, ten. 10 times you could count on your fingers all the awful moments he had. And I think there was a lot of people, they benched him in April, like from that starting shortstop position and put Yu Chang there. Obviously, he had that stretch in May where he went like four weeks without making an error, but it was well past due. I think everyone at this point, it was going beyond just, hey, Cora, we get you're riding with the guy, but this is just, this, this is inexcusable. We're watching this happen. You're hurting your pitchers every single night doing this. It's not fair to a starting rotation that for a month now, they are fifth in starter ERA going back to May 17th. And this is where you are as you're making these guys get more than 27 outs every single night. And it's not just all on Kike, but he's the face of it when you've been the worst offender in baseball in terms of errors. Yeah, no, I, I think the whole thing with Kike is. It's a majority opinion. It was time. And it, and I like I think Cora looks at it and he's like, well, this is the guy you kind of had us lead the clubhouse coming into the season. Do you do you realize how tough that is to sit him on the bench? Now, you should. You should be able to do that. But I'm guessing that's the angle core comes from where it's like, you know, sitting this guy down and basically saying you're going to be a utility player moving forward. That's a pretty tough blow to someone who was talking shit. He was during spring training. And I, I'm not saying he was wrong for talking that shit, but it's a tough look for him. I bet his pride's hurting pretty bad right now after some of those comments about his resume and stuff where. You know, he's been awful as a hitter and he's been awful defensively. He's been one of the worst everyday players in baseball. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was time for a change. Uh, if the front office felt like they had to step in and say, hey, this decision is no longer yours, then that's uh, at the end of the day, we can say, wow, you know, like that's a bad look. They had to step in and do this. It's like, well, I mean, does anyone necessarily disagree? Like that's that's where it becomes an interesting dynamic because. I don't know that there are many, if any, Red Sox fans that disagree with the decision that we have to step in and remove Kike as the everyday shortstop. That feels like a universal thumbs up. Good call. Like that, it was time. Uh, respect for giving him as many opportunities as you did, but we've seen enough. Uh, give it, it's not like the Red Sox were seven games above 500 and he was struggling defensively I mean, there. They dipped below 500 and they had lost or were in the process of losing a series to another bad team in the Colorado Rockies. It was time. All right. We got to take a break and talk about Zinn nicotine pouches. We're always talking about what a team needs to get to number one, but Zinn nicotine pouches are already there. 
Zinn has helped millions of people achieve a lasting change, earning the title of America's number one nicotine pouch. If you're a smoker or you're a dipper looking to make a change, look no further than Zinn. Zinn is made with six simple ingredients and is available in a wide range of varieties, including spearmint, citrus, and even coffee. And it's available in two strengths so you can control your nicotine satisfaction. Because it's discreet, you can enjoy it anywhere, anytime, so you never have to miss a moment of the game. Plus, every can of Zinn earns you points towards premium items like tailgating gear, top-of-the-line tech, Zinn swag, even gift cards. Find your Zinn at your local convenience store or online at Zinn.com. That's Zinn, Z-Y-N.com. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. The question that Maz brought up tonight with me, if you were to ask, out of all the baseball minds that are taking a paycheck from the Boston Red Sox right now, whose opinion do you trust the most? It's a good question. Um, I think it's cut and dry. Like I, I would, I think it's Alex Cora. I, I would feel that way, but if these are the ways he's making some of these decisions at this point, where it's like I, I'm just riding with my boy to ride with my boy, then that clouds it. Like if you ask me straight up, yeah, I think we've talked about it. Like if there was a pathway where they were willing or they felt like they had to move off a of bloom, I think me and you have both said like we'd consider Cora a candidate to move into the front office. Something he's talked about wanting to do. I think core is a great mind, but where the well gets poisoned is, well, where are these decisions now coming from? Like when it comes to benching a Verdugo a week ago, right? Yeah. And, and how that played out. It's like, you're making an example out of that guy who's busted his ass all year long. And Verdugo came out and kind of said like, I was pissed off, man. Uh, when it happened, he's come to accept it. He gets it. You know, he's cool with it. What else? What other choice did he have? But he's like, he said that himself. Like, I've been the guy busting my ass all year here. Like, and I was the one who kind of took the bullet and he's played well since coming off. So, you know, maybe you want to tip your hat to Alex Cora, but you get into that spot. Yeah, I think you do give a lot of credit to Cora, but I'm, I'm also not going to sit there and say Cora is not without his flaws either. Sure. And I think this is a flaw that would worry me if, I, if I'm seeing a front office have to step in because you can't tell your friend Kike Hernandez to sit down on the bench because he can't feel this position and he's not hitting at all. That's scary. Yeah, but then it comes back to the roster is the roster. So if sure. it's not Kike, you, you, then who? You have, it's Pablo Reyes. Who? Yeah, and can, then he comes out and says, that's not an everyday player. Cool, which uh, no one's going to disagree with, but can he feel the position? And, and there was a reason why in the weeks prior, we've been saying Pablo Reyes could feel the position. Like sure. we've, all, we've all been saying he can feel the better than a guy who has the yips out there. Yeah. Like how, how many games are you going to push through that? It's not a great situation. I think anyone can go and tell you that. And, you know, partially that's due to injuries. Partially that's due to just what the roster is, what the roster is. But, you know, no one spoke more highly of Kike Hernandez at the end of spring training than Alex Cora, who said one of his biggest surprises at camp was Kike Hernandez's defense. Yeah. Where's that been? Yeah. He's been he's been horrendous over there. Horrendous. Yeah. Um, I, but I would agree with you in a vacuum. I, I lean Cora, but this is something hearing this makes me take a step back and wonder, like, all right, there's more here. Is there more context? Is there more? Is he just managing to win games or is he now managing with other factors in mind? Yeah, I would love to know the behind the scenes in regards to who's responsible for what. Like in terms of like how much input 
does Alex Cora have in like not even that, but like, you know, when you when you say the roster is the roster, uh, what does that mean? Like the 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 problematic players that you have, the uh, guys playing positions that are not their primary positions, um, things like that. Whose decision is that? Who made the call on that? Who advocated for who? It sounds like uh, Cora advocated for Kike. Pretty obvious. What about the rest of it? When we break down, it got it kind of got swept under the rug because of everything else. But the Tristan Costa situation, where it's like, oh, and by the way, uh, Turner's going to get more time at first base over Tristan Casas, uh, who, by the way, I tweeted out the stat a uh, couple days ago which is not impressive. And I even said it's more indicative of the rest of the lineup, but Tristan Casas leads the Red Sox in OPS since May 1st. And it's like 801. So it's like, that's, and so it's like, oh, that's not even good. It's like, no, no, no. 801 OPS is good, but it should not lead the Boston Red Sox for over a month. Like that's, that's more of an issue of the rest of the lineup. But if you're going to point to Casas as being someone that has failed or is not pulling his weight, I would point more to the defense. But, when you start looking at that, which got swept under the rug, like Casas is going to be moved off of first base a little bit here. It's like, is that a Cora thing? Is that a front office thing? Is it a, cause then was it the athletic that had the comments about how they didn't love what his pregame routine was and not talking about like the sunbathing and all that shit. It was that he was kind of like practicing scenarios that wouldn't normally happen in a major league baseball game, but he would just not do like the normal shit, like just picking it at first, which I have seen him do. I've seen, I've seen Casas at first base with a coach at second base, just absolutely firing fungos at him to simulate throws from an infielder that he's got to pick. I've seen him do that. Uh, But in regards to like the scenarios that he's, practicing that aren't real scenarios i don't even know what they that could possibly be they acted like he was like diving over the railing like you know when you're a kid like you practice robbing home runs like jokingly or whatever but that that's the way it was phrased and it just to me like let's be real about what this season is like a lot of the reasoning we came into this year about garrett whitlock needing to start why we needed you know brian bayo to be in that rotation when there were talks and people say oh maybe you send him down whatever it may be you need to get answers on a lot of these guys. It's the same reason Cutter Crawford's moved back in the rotation over a Corey Kluber, whoever it is. You need to let these guys kind of go out there and develop and figure out what it is. Best case scenario entering this year, you were a fringe wildcard team. And I think where you stand right now after losing Chris Sale for the entire or, you know, maybe for the entire year, very likely, many would say John Schreiber being out now for over a month and still looking pretty far ways away. Isn't it about getting these guys as many reps as possible? And you're going to punish a guy in Tristan Costas who, yeah, the defense, I've had my hand up. I said it on the baseball hour on Friday. That's been the most disappointing part of his game for me this year because I expected him to be better. Um, And, you know, he leads Major League Baseball and he's the worst in terms of in terms of defensive run saved at first base. But now you're going to start limiting some of those reps for him over there. When the guy Cora said it himself, I thought we were getting a great defender. Uh, Carl Feblis saying, you know, this guy, we think he's going to win a gold glove one day. What is the coaching going on here then? Like, if you're telling me this guy, he did come up with that reputation and we've seen it. It's more kind of the routine plays that he's botched. It's really not the tough plays more, you know, like the Kike Hernandez pick. He should have made that pick. I agree. 
not a good throw, but we've seen him make more of those tough picks throughout this year. You're going to go and say, hey, we're going to hurt his development a little bit here, and we're going to play 38-year-old Justin Turner, who our lineup, he's been one of the few guys producing. We're going to put more miles on this guy. Listen, he had a couple nice, decent plays at first base. I know he fucked up you know, the minute I tweeted about it, but he's done that multiple times now where he just dropped a ball thrown at him this year. That's better than what you like. That's worth sitting Tristan Casas from playing first base at times when he's been one of your more consistent bats for six weeks. Like you're losing the plot here. I understand you want to keep the illusion that you're competing. Be realistic at the same time. Whatever that difference is, that little, you know, chunk of, oh, well, maybe we're this little teeny bit better. It's not worth slowing his development because you need Tristan Casas to be that middle of the order bat the next, you know, three to five years in Boston, if any of this is going to come together. Because if he doesn't, it's a major blow. And it's part of the reason I look at it and, you know, Adam Duvall getting healthy has complicated this with Jaron Duran. Those guys getting limited playing time, it just doesn't sit super well with me because I feel like you're not doing the things necessary for what's going to be happening in the years forward. All your actions, your words may say, oh, yeah, we want to compete. All your actions have been the opposite. And we've all read into them. It's been about building. It's about forming that foundation. Duran in a tough spot. I I assume by the trade deadline, Duval will most likely be moved or someone from that group. Probably not for Dugo. Definitely not Yoshida. But you'll get more playing time for Duran. Casas, he should be getting every rep. And that's the reason you moved off Eric Cosmer this offseason. Because you said, we're going to give this guy the keys because we believe in him. But he needs to develop out there. He hasn't been bad enough to the point where you say, all right, we need to kind of shake something out and call him out publicly. I'm just I'm not a fan of either end of those things. It just didn't feel like a smart move. Yeah. I mean, you saw him out there with Fabulous before the game today. Uh, So he was out there with the coaches that were kind of calling him out. Um, But they're teaching him the Pedroia UCOP. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, But. I guess it kind of begs the question where we're what, like a month and a half away from the trade deadline. Um, let's just say hypothetically, if they're not in a position to get a wild card spot or what have you, and I have no reason to believe that they will be or won't be. I mean, they're just, again, they're just stuck in mediocrity and, and mediocrity is not no. going to get you a playoff spot when but, you look at the field. But at the same time, Jared, like to say like, well, who knows? It, do you think the Astros are going to fall off? Do you, do you think the Rangers are going to fall off? You think the Blue Jays like I, I want to be optimistic and I'm not saying there's a zero percent chance, but you're telling me now without Chris Sale, you know, Shriver still weighs away here and well, Trevor Pax- story now Paxton has emerged as kind of I don't want to say exactly what Sale was, but pretty damn close. Like and it, and it might even be quietly because, you know, Chris Sale Six comes starts in. with the 309 era. Yeah, Chris Sale comes in, monster trade, wins a World Series, has the dominant 2017. So he has this this fantastic pedigree, fantastic resume. So when he goes out there, we expect greatness. And at times we did see greatness from Chris Sale, and he was very, very good. But you move on because now he's not going to be here. But when you look at, oh, man, does this completely fuck us? James Paxton has been pretty damn good for you. And, and it's because... He doesn't come with this long lineage uh, of Red Sox moments in history. Uh, He was hurt all of last year. So you kind of have to temper your expectations in regards to is this guy going to be another guy that goes down and we just don't see him again that that's on the table. But for now, James Paxton is a guy that uh, is pitching really well for you. And I, 
I'm not going to say, you know, hey, if the Red Sox make the playoffs, we're in a great chance. We're in a great spot because Paxton is going to be your game one starter. Like you don't love that. But how do people feel in 2021 when it was like, oh, well, we have no Chris Sale or Chris Sale was there, but your game one starter, your wild card starter is Nathan Valdi. That was supposed that was just like a he was a throw in trade in, in 2018. He kind of came over and was like, all right, yeah, that, that's nice. Nice pickup, I guess. Uh, and then he turns into your wild card game starter and he shoves in the playoffs for you. Um, so I'm not completely. And, you know, in addition to that, because to, what was the statistic about like mid-May in the rotation? Yeah. Going back to May 17th, their fifth and starter year, right? Okay. Like Whitlock but, has been great since he's come back from the injury list. What? What's that wince? Uh, so while they are 25th and or fifth and starter year race since May 17th, eighth and fifth. The offense is 23rd, 25th in run scored. All right. One Bullpen thing at a time. Down to one thing at a time. One thing at a time. The fucking rotation since mid-May has been, I don't want to, I'm not going to use the word exceptional. It's been really good. It's been really good. You should, you should be winning more games than you have been because of, of the starting pitch that you got. That's the root of it though. It's like you had a month of that pitching. If I told you on May 17th, you were going to get that. You say, oh wow, they're going to be in the middle of the wild card race. Like mm-hmm. they'll be right in it. Right now, you're a game under 500. You know, you're still sitting five out and it looks like Trevor Story. Maybe you get him to DH in July, which that, you know, we'll get there. But that's a whole conversation about how he fits in, because if he's planning to DH, there's no way to make sense of the roster the way it is right now either. I don't need I don't need Trevor Story to come back in DH. I need him to come back and play shortstop. I agree. But it seems like he's on a different there is they're on a different view of that. So I don't know. I don't know if we see an interesting kind of flip or trade, maybe a very early trade deadline move where the Red Sox say, all right, we kind of just need to like make this roster make a little more sense here because they're saying they don't want to send Casas down. Duran's been swinging it better over his last seven games, hitting over 300. Something has to give here. And that doesn't, you know, Yu Chang, if he can finally get this whole Hammett bone situation soreness right, he's also going to be kicking one of Arroyo or Reyes out. Um, I'm trying to find the Trevor story audio. You know what? I can DM it to you. Was it on? Did Nesson have it? Yeah. One of the, I liked it. Someone had posted it uh, today. Let me see. Here we go. Brad, uh, shout out Brad from pesky report. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just DM'd it to you. Where on Twitter? Yep. Okay, here it is. All right. So Maz was very hot on this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right. I've got it queued up. But, um, yeah, I, I think looking at where the roster's at right now, how Trevor's story is progressing, um, there's just a lot of you just feel stuck. You're we're now back in a spot where you're not waiting for Chris Sale to come back. In my mind, he's not coming. It, it's again, it's a it's repeat, rinse, wash. It is the same thing over and over again. If he comes back, it's a bonus. Same thing that happened last year. Hey, if he comes back, it's a bonus. But I'm moving on with my life, assuming that he's not coming back. Paxton's been nice. Whitlock's been nice. Uh, I'll even take what Cutter Crawford's given you. Tanner Houck's been nice. Um, 
I, I, I'm just a little hesitant to buy back in. Like I'm not. That's all I'm saying too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very hesitant to be like, Hey, the starting pitching has been good. We saw what the offense did in April. If they just turn it back on the way they were hitting in April, now we're kind of cooking with gas here. I'm hesitant to get in that mindset. I'm prepared for the worst. And I, I don't, I don't normally like to do that. Like I don't normally like to assume that the worst is going to happen. But in this particular instance, we've, we've seen this movie before and I, I hope that this isn't the path that we're headed down, but it seems like come trade deadline time, uh, it's not unfathomable that you could see a Turner dealt a Kenley dealt uh, a Chris Martin dealt uh, a Paxton, a Paxton. Yeah. Like you're talking about uh, pieces when, when you're thinking about the next great Red Sox team, that next great Red Sox core um, and Verdugo, like you mentioned Verdugo as a guy that they wouldn't move. I mean, he doesn't have a contract after this year. He's going into free agency. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like you, you're not just going to unload aging veterans it's like hey if if you can get something for verdugo like do you explore that but i kind of backpedal to the himes mo especially in boston we haven't seen him pull the trigger on a holy shit trade besides mookie bets and i wouldn't even put that in the same category like if he were to trade alex verdugo it would be a surprise people would be like whoa what the fuck uh didn't see that coming i thought that that was a piece that you would like to retain moving forward Mookie Betts we knew that he was going to go it's just a matter of who's going with him what's coming back and when is it going to happen uh this trade deadline feels like it could be a little bit different and I know that people have discussed the idea of are they going to buy and sell at the same time that's what they did last year uh you you and it was a fucking abomination like trading Christian Vasquez you got back two really good pieces you got back um Valdez and Abreu. We haven't seen Abreu yet, but everyone that I've talked to down in Worcester, they 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 gush over this guy or his swing at least. Uh, but then you hang on to JD, you hang on to Nate, you hang on to Xander, obviously, and then you stay over the luxury tax, which fucks you going into 2023. I'm very curious to see how they navigate it, like, and and we'll, time will tell because what if they just start winning again? I'm not going to assume that, but what if they do? They have the pitching to do it. If the bats wake up, then fine. Then you start winning baseball games. And I think that's where people like we start talking about the trade deadline. This team can win, you know, 81 to 85 games. Like, I don't think that's crazy. Definitely lately has made that even feel a little wild. But the sad thing is that's not going to get you in the playoffs. Yeah, you'll be in it. And I think that's what, you know, the Red Sox were looking for entering this year. Be still competitive come September. Just be in the mix there. but that's where you are. Like, even you look at the Blue Jays right now, like, yeah, the Blue Jays and Red Sox are separated by, you know, four games. They're seven games over 500. You're a game under 500. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So you, you do kind of sit there and you say, geez, like the Blue Jays, they've had their own struggles losing Alec Manoa. The Yankees haven't got Rodon back and they've had their own injuries. The Orioles are going to get John Means back at some point. Grayson Rodriguez didn't pop for them. You know, he's gone through his struggles and has to come back. Like, And, you know, the Rays aren't going anywhere. So, like, how do you sit there and you kind of say, you know, the Red Sox, are they going to really be able to make a jump over one of these teams? It's it's a hard sell. And, you know, I think the Rangers aren't going anywhere. 
So the Astros are going to get a wild card spot too. And you kind of just realize, shit, that's the awful part about being in the American League, being in the ALE specifically. You know, being good isn't enough here. And I think that's where the Red Sox, they need to sit there and say, yeah, maybe they're going to try to walk that middle line. I felt like the deal they did make for Vasquez last year, that's what they should kind of look to do here. Open some spots up for younger guys. Maybe some of those, you know, guys you want to give an opportunity, you feel like they're ready to get that shot. But I, I'd put like a Verdugo in the unlikely trade category. But hey, if someone overwhelms you, if you see a deal where you can go get a controllable piece for three years or something like that and build forward, take that shot. It's just, I wonder, I, I don't think the farm system, they have the capital to go get a Dylan Cease, in my opinion. I, I like the idea of that. I've heard it floated. But what are you going to give up to get that deal done? You know, is a package starting with Nick York going to get that done for you? And maybe with the draft coming up, you're going to have new guys entering the system that changes the convo. But, you know, for a team that's also still trying to build through their farm system, I wouldn't say they're in a position where they should be making a mega trade. The reality is they should be going to go pay an ace this offseason because you have the flexibility to do it. Who's on? Uh, actually, you know what? Jake. Let's talk about Blue Moon. And while we're doing that, I want Tyler to pull up the, uh, the free agent list for for this coming offseason. I want to know what starting pitchers are out there. Uh, but first, tell us about Blue Moon, Jake. Well, Shark Meat looks up that free agent list. Let's talk some Blue Moon. Beer is a tried and true baseball tradition, but Blue Moon is the only beer brewed by baseball. Blue Moon was born in a ballpark, first brewed at Coors Field in Denver, Colorado. Make it your one-of-a-kind baseball tradition, whether you're at the park or watching from home. I'll tell you what, if I didn't have my fridge stocked full of blue moons this week, I would not have gotten through watching those games. Watching those games is like watching Tyler pet a dog. You just know things are about to get bad really quick. Thankfully, I had my blue moons by my side to help me relax and get through those games. Because with its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander, Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale is a -a one-of-a-kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Blue Moon was brewed by baseball to give you a dose of nostalgia and get you excited for the new season. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something one-of-a-kind? It's bold flavor, bright color, and iconic orange slice ritual guarantee a -a one-of-a-kind beer experience perfect for spring weather. Best served with its signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful bright color, a beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon. But you can enjoy it all season long. Keep baseball traditions alive with Blue Moon Belgian Style Wheat Ale. It's one of a kind every time. Check out shop.bluemoonbrewingcompany.com for baseball merch and visit get.bluemoonbeer.com slash jared to find Blue Moon delivery options. That's get.bluemoonbeer.com slash jared. Blue Moon, made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado Ale. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate that a lot. Uh, Okay. As promised, Tyler, who are the free agent starting pitchers this coming offseason? Yeah. So, like, you got the Shohei Otani, if if you kind of want to have that conversation, right? Marcus Stroman, Mm. uh, you know, if you want to walk that way. Aaron Nola, if you're looking for, like, a workhorse who can kind of carry you and bring you. And then after that, you start to talk about more of the second tier options. It's like, you know, those are ace names. Like you get a Jack Flaherty. Maybe you think you can get Lucas Giolito where he needs to go. Right. And kind of try to go and figure it out that way. Clayton Kershaw is not coming to Boston. Sorry. And then as you go from there, you know, Kenta Maeda, I want to put him in that category, but someone who's kind of captured it in a bottle at times. Blake Snell. Shown it at times. Um, 
yeah, that, that's kind of really it. I don't see any of those guys coming here. I think like the name, a lot of people are kind of, and you know, I've been kind of floating it too, is Yamamoto who played with Yoshida in Japan. That is kind of considered the Tanaka clone for a lot of people. Young, 25 years old. Can you go pay that guy? You have someone who can kind of recruit him a little bit um, and just go that way. Is that the name you look at to say, all right, he's young. It fills the hole of developing another ace. You can pair him with a Bayo Whitlock, who looks like a mid-rotation guy right now. Whoever out of Cutter or Hulk stands out, and then you kind of ride that pony. Yeah, I, I saw you tweeting about him. And I've also seen Red Sox fans trying to project what the next year's team looks like. And I'm just looking at it so depressed. I'm just like, this is a lot of <laughs> the same. This is a lot of the fucking same. Uh, there is one name I forgot. What? Julio Urias. Oh, okay. I, personally, I, I'm not in love with it. Overall, I do think he's someone the metrics have always kind of pointed to regression, and we've seen that this year with him. 439 ERA and 10 starts. I know he hasn't been healthy either, but that's another guy. If you're talking someone who could maybe fit into that, that's what it is. Yeah, and he's young too. He, I think he came up when he was, what, 19 years old? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, but I don't know. Yamamoto is the one that... uh continues to stick out to me, especially if the Red Sox, as they say, are so deep over there, they're paying attention to everything going on. Are you going to find a better solution than that? He's yeah. o- he's only three months older than me. He's 40. He's 39. Fuck you. But you could get that guy and say, all right, we're building around him. He is going to be one of our top rotation starters moving forward. Sure. But then it just becomes another conversation of like, can he do it in the big leagues? Like, sure. Just, you know, I think, but Yoshida do you trust that question? Sure. But do you, I think he is in that tier where you look at like, he, he's not going to get like some little two or three year deal. He's going to get, you know, he's way better than Kodai Senga. Like yeah. if, if you want to talk kind of the levels to this, this is someone like Tanaka where you sign him and you say, all right, maybe maybe you don't turn into the ace, but you're so young, you should be able to lead this rotation moving forward. Sure. You know? That's a conversation for another day. It is June 15th, and I'm sure we'll spend a lot of time talking about what the Red Sox can do for next year's team uh, this offseason. But I was just curious what some of the, some of the names were that would be available. Uh, but we teased it a little bit. Trevor Story talking about... Um, Playing shortstop, when is he coming back? How does he feel about where he's going to play when he comes back? And uh, it was pretty, it was pretty interesting what he had to say. When did they say, Trevor, just to put this peace of mind, you're going to be our shortstop? Um, yeah, I think it was, you know, it's, it's been an ongoing discussion, you know, because um, obviously there's a possibility to maybe come back and play second at an earlier time, but um, I think. You know, I was very, I guess, expressive in where I wanted to play and um, where I think I can still play. So at a high level, and that's uh, that's what it came down to, and we were all on the same page there. And um, so, yeah, it was it was pretty simple. So this is another thing that I talked about with Maz tonight, and he was trying to like give it an out, like the the part where he says at an earlier time. He's like, did the conversation take place at an earlier time? Or were they talking about, can he come back to play at an earlier time if he plays second base versus shortstop? 
so let me just let me just play it one more time. When did they say, Trevor, just to put this peace of mind, you're going to be our shortstop? Um, yeah, I think it was, you know, it's, it's been an ongoing discussion, you know, because um, obviously there's a possibility to maybe come back and play second at an earlier time. But um, I think, you know, I was very, I guess, expressive in where I wanted to play and um, where I think I can still play. So at a high level, and that's uh, that's what it came down to. And we were all on the same page there. And um, so, yeah, it was, it was pretty simple. So you read between the lines there. The Red Sox were like, hey, Trevor, can you come back and play second base? Like, Because we also suck there defensively, too. Uh, can you come back and play second base? And if you do come back to play second base, that means you can come back and play for us sooner than if you came back to play shortstop. And Trevor's like, well, I'm a shortstop, dude. Like, I was an all-star shortstop with the Rockies. You signed me to a six-year deal as a free agent to play second base for one year because Xander was here. Now Xander's not here. So I'm going back to shortstop. Like, you don't have a shortstop either. I'm not playing second base. I'm going to play shortstop. And the thing that was standing in the way of me playing shortstop before was A, Xander, and B, my elbow. Xander's not here. I surgically repaired my elbow. What are we talking about second base for? So you can probably see it from both sides, right? Like if you're the Red Sox, you want Trevor Story back as soon as possible. And if you can get him back sooner playing second base, then that seems like the right thing to do. But if you're Trevor Story and you were told, hey, uh, you know, when shortstop frees up, that's your position. And then if the Red Sox try and, you know, tiptoe in there and say, well, we kind of need you at second base again. You want to you know, be the second baseman again? It's like, well, no, dude. Like, I, I played ball last year. I, I played the position that is, you know, not my primary position. I did it because that's what the team needed. The team needs a shortstop. I am a shortstop. Stop trying to be, stop trying to put me at second base if we also need a shortstop and that position's available too. Yeah. I guess the way I, I interpreted it was, well, first off, before anything, like he is the starting shortstop. It was his position during the offseason. Like that was the move this front office made. Laugh at them for whatever it made. They believed even with a bum elbow, he was going to be able to play the position. So that's first and foremost. It was his. He got hurt. That's why people, other people are playing short. But to me, I didn't take it as like he rejected it. It sounded more like, all right, it was on the table. Like, oh, you know, as we come along in this process, could that be a route we go here? Um, and, and I think for them, it's like, oh, well, yeah, maybe if Kike returned to 2021 Kike and he handled the position, maybe we'd move further along in that conversation. Um, but I think where they are now, like the reality is it doesn't make much sense that to force that issue because you do need someone to come play shortstop. I think at the end of the day, the Red Sox realize you're going to get the most value out of him playing shortstop. And, and on top of it, what's the president or the precedent for any of this? Can you ever remember a player switching to another position as he rehabs his elbow to come back early? Like that, that is no, I don't know anyone who's ever done that. Like, yes, we know you come back and hit a la Bryce Harper, uh, Miguel Sano uh, years ago, right? Did the same thing. Um, and story's willing to do that as well. But switching to second base when the Red Sox already told you like, no, this was our starting shortstop coming into the year. I don't know. It felt like to me, it was like, oh yeah, like it was something we considered, 
But he wraps it up saying, well, no, we were all kind of on the same page at the end of the day. Shortstop makes the most sense here. Um, you know, for his career as well, like you're going to tell a player who believes he can like when the one thing that was stopping him from playing shortstop is fixed, you're going to tell that player. All right, well, we're going to kind of rush you and have you go play another position when your elbow isn't fully ready to go. Like what kind of sell is that to the player who's trying to rehab and get it together here? It just, it didn't make sense to me on a few different levels. I just, I think it was an option that was probably discussed, but I think when you take in all the, you know, variables of this situation, it does. It's hard to justify going that route with any of it. It's a it's a sticky situation because yeah. I I want we don't Trevor's know all story. the details. Yeah, we don't know all the discussions uh, because at the end of the quote, he's saying, you know, yeah, like they asked me to play second base, and I told him I'm I'm a shortstop, and then I I said I can still play it at a high level. I'm really I'm a really good shortstop, and then we agreed on that, and that's that. You know, I. I he sounded frustrated. I'll be honest. Like he, he sounded, I, it sounded like he was very carefully choosing his words. Um, he was putting a lot of thought into the words that were coming out of his mouth because I don't think he wanted to say too much. Uh, I don't think that he didn't want to provide enough information, but trying to put myself in his shoes mentally, uh, you know, you're trying to say what you want to say, which is, hey, everyone. I'm a fucking shortstop. Like, why are we asking me to play second base? But on the other side of the fence, well, because we need you to come back as soon as possible. The ship's sinking. It's the same thing that I was talking about earlier with Kike. If Kike is making all these throwing errors and the Red Sox are seven games over 500, there's less urgency to move him off the position. You probably still do it ultimately because, you know, it's unequivocally not working out. It's just not working out. You got to make the change. With Trevor Story, do they even ask him about playing second base and coming back sooner if they're not, uh, at the time, two games under 500 and kind of just like, hey, we, we can't fall any further out of this thing. But you know, like, it, do we know the conversation has happened recently or was this a conversation, you know, in March where they said, well, this could be the rehab strategy if you go that route? I don't right? think I don't we don't know the timing, but I think we can assume it was a recent conversation because to, to what you just said earlier. He was the shortstop. We like, I think the direct, like Alex Cora, I think said that, didn't he say yeah, it like, outright? hundred like, percent. Trevor stories are shortstop. It, and so, that's where I sit here. There's conflicting theories. Like if you want to continue to run with the narrative and, you know, Maz is someone who's hung to this narrative and said, they always believed he was going to be the shortstop, right? Like he was going to be that guy after Xander Bogarts. That was the plan all along. I don't agree with that, but that, that's the narrative then you're telling me they flip this quickly and they're going to now say, oh, well, you're going to go play second base. Like it, it feels like there's a, like, I don't know. It, all the dots aren't connecting perfectly there, I guess is the way I'd put it. Well, if that means if, if playing second base means that you can come back sooner then, but what, like two weeks, I don't know. It, like there's, two weeks. We don't know enough. We don't know. Yeah. Enough. We don't know when the conversation was. Uh, yeah. Like if it is, like you can come back two weeks sooner. It's like, is that going to make a world of a difference? Well, it could. It could. I don't well, know. And then you still have the biggest hole on this team, right? Like, and that's kind of where I'd sit there and I'd say, well, you, what? You're going to go play Trevor Story at second base. Cool. Awesome. I get it. What are you doing at shortstop? Pablo you, Reyes. Pablo Reyes and Yu Chang. Like, is that your plan? I'd much prefer to play Trevor Story. Yu Chang was solid when he was there, by the way. Oh, amazing fielder. They're praying for Yu Chang to come back. They are in a bad position because he's had, what, two setbacks now. But I think in reality, like they'd probably 
if you're just doing it from a talent perspective, yeah, you, you put Yu Chang at short, and then you can kind of mix and match Arroyo, Kike. You know, maybe Valdez factors in later as a platoon. Feels like a little bit more of a sturdy base than, you know, Trevor Story. And then you got what, like Yu Chang, who at the end of the day, is going to hit like 180. Yeah. Sounds like they need some better help at shortstop. Hmm. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? I do. Yeah. <laughs> you need better help, Tyler. Whoa. Because yeah. all the, the losses in my life? There's just a lot going on there. I feel like you need to, uh, you just need to talk about it. Um, and it's just so Where easy can I do to that? get, well, better help. Of course. It's just so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need for yourself. But when we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched out, thin, and burnt out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. And I can speak from personal experience. I was supporting someone, and I feel like in the, in the course of doing that, I did leave myself behind for a little bit. But thanks to BetterHelp, I'm in a better spot now. As someone that uh, finds great benefits from being in therapy, you can too. That's why I'm trying to get Tyler to do it. I'm trying to get Tyler to better himself. Couples therapy. Yeah. Because if you're thinking about starting therapy, you got to give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I know you're a busy guy, Tyler. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Jared, J-A-R-E-D, today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash Jared. <sighs> yes. Shout out to BetterHelp for being a name redacted sponsor. We appreciate you guys. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 1.30 in the morning. I don't know that I have a ton of thoughts on the actual series outside of it. Let's give some shout outs. <coughs> we said we were going to do an hour. I feel like we're already over an hour at this point. Um, Paxton, as we mentioned earlier, six innings, four hits, zero earned runs. Eight strikeouts, only one walk. His ERA is down to 309. The fit matches it perfectly as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Winkowski gets uh, five outs for you. Bernardino mm. gets an out. Jansen. Back-to-back games, you had a tie ball game going into the bottom of the ninth. You lost both of those games. I, I look at the offense. I, I think that first game, the fact that Connor Siebold did that to you, fucking Connor Siebold of all guys through six innings of one run ball. I talked to Connor him, Siebold. I'm sorry. Um, He's a nice but, kid. Like he, he seems like a nice kid. And I, I'm not trying to hate on him, but goddamn, you should. That's exactly Connor what Siebold. you just did. You, just, you, uh, just, you shit on his life right there. I, and I loved people tweeting me. Well, his last two starts before this, he actually didn't give up a run in his first five innings pitch. Look at the fucking ERA. Are we going to grow up and act like Connor Siebel will be starting anywhere else? Maybe get a start in Oakland. He's not a big league starting pitcher. He's masquerading it on a friggin' fake franchise in the Rockets. Whoa. It's true. They're, they just, they'll run out anything. Let's be real. It's a poverty franchise. That's what wow. they are. And you let Connor Siebel do that to you? Embarrassing. And you had multiple wow. embarrassing moments in that game. Connor Wong getting thrown out at second like he did. 
Then the Nick Pavetta meltdown. Can't find the strike zone. Never going to feel super comfortable with him. I'm kind of just, he's solid out there, but man, he starts walking guys. You should get him out immediately. He walked three batters in the inning of work. Um, was only able to get two outs. So then, then you have this big rain delay just to come back and get your dick kicked in immediately. Fastest like return and ending to a game. It was legit like six minutes. Yeah, we waited until 1140. They came back and they were like, all right, game's over. You fucking lose. Get out of here. Sickening. And obviously yeah. Costas had that rough moment there. Maybe people want to blame the game on him. I'm looking at the offense. You just you need to be better against a team like the Rockies. And realistically, you don't get a home run rob by Nolan Jones and you're probably there and you won the game. But when fucking it rains, it pours. And that was when it was pouring. Noted Red Sox fan, Nolan Jones. Seems like a really nice kid. Uh, I was actually nice. listening to some of his interviews and stuff like that. You could tell he was excited to be at Fenway. Yeah, I saw him. Uh, I saw him before the game on Tuesday. We were talking. Uh, he's huge, by the way. He's like six four, six five. Uh, big Red Sox fan. Grew up loving David Ortiz, and uh, robbed Rafael Devers of a home run. That's he robbed him of the home run in the first game because when he came out of the dugout, I looked at him and I was like, "You motherfucker!" <laughs> and uh, I thought that ball was over the bullpen. Like I was celebrating when I saw Devers hit the pose. I was like, oh my God, like they're that they needed that. It Mm -hmm. took, I was like 10 seconds late after realizing he actually caught it. Yeah. Uh, Second. Well, by the way, shout out to Daniel Bard. Uh, In that first game, he got the win in his 100th appearance at Fenway Park. Insanely cool story. He did not know that until after the game. I'll be real with you. They had him on the ropes. They did. They did. You got what? Duvall walked and then Casas gets him on the pitch violation and then next pitch is a double play. Yeah. Next night, you see Bard again gets another win. Fucking Daniel Bard, man. Another inning. Strikeout. No damage. Nothing. Um... That game, the second, like, you know, Rafael Devers hits the two-run shot, makes it, what, 4-2 at the time. Uh, they chip away, chip away. It's 4-4. You go into the ninth inning, uh, or go into the bottom of the ninth, no dice. Fucking 10th inning, a three-spot for the Rockies. You're thinking, man, another fucking loss. Back-to-back nights. Bottom of the ninth, it's tied. You're going to lose a game again. Rafael Deris comes up, two run bomb, and the I, I, I shit you not, Devers hits the two run home run, and I was said, fuck, yeah, because there was no way they were winning, no chance. The second that he hits the two run home run, I just tweeted out, and I was like, this is uh, this should have been a walk off home run, and it's gonna just make this a, a shittier loss than if you just lost by three runs. Now you're gonna lose by one. Devers hits a two-run home run in the 10th inning. It's not going to mean shit. Uh, and then, out of all the drama that we've talked about, we talked about a lot of drama, the Trevor Story stuff. We talked about Haim, Cora, power dynamic. Kike is no longer the shortstop. Casas is, is moved off first base a little bit. Rafael Devers, not in the lineup, in the finale. Hits two homers the night before. And uh, yeah, I understand there's a lefty on the mound, but he sucks. He's the worst pitcher in the league. Gets smacked by lefties on top of it. Gets smacked by lefties. 
It's a series finale with a day off the next day. Devers is hot. Where's Rafael Devers? Like Cora had said days before he was thinking about giving Yoshida the double off days. It seems like he's a little rundown. I get it. Pick one and tip tip your cap Dallas Cora. It worked. He was right. They won the game. But man, for a team badly needing anything on offense, that felt like a very just lack of pulse ish move where, you know, you get swept by the Rockies, man. Where the hell is this team free falling going into an off day and then a series against the Yankees at home? Mm. But that's core, right? Never panic, never treat it differently. It's all 162 mean the same. He manages for 162. Yeah. I will say what happened in the seventh and eighth inning in that game was absolutely disgusting. Um, you know, second and third with one out after Ray, the Reyes single and Verdugo walked. Turner hits a softball a second. Reyes gets thrown out. Duval couldn't capitalize. Then you get Duran, who steals second with no outs uh, in the eighth, and then steals third with one out, and you can't get him in either. Bad baseball. It's really embarrassing baseball to not be able to just situationally get one of those guys in. They did the opposite of that tonight, so that's nice to see, but some of the most frustrating and ugly baseball I've watched in you know, recent years. It was First bad. game of the series, two for eight with runners in scoring position. They left six men on base. Second game, five for 15 with runners in scoring position. They left 11 men on base. Kluber then, came in and gave you two fucking scoreless innings. He did. Like, you couldn't win a game where Devers hit two home runs and Kluber somehow gave you two scoreless? Uh, finale, they were three for 10 with runners in scoring position. They left six men on base. But a 10-hit night. And it all came down to a five-run seventh inning. Um, Alex Verdugo, I believe, had three hits, right? Yeah, he had three hits. He had the double. Uh, Single early. Two. Yep. Uh, Throughout Snyder, a runner. Fucking triple. Had a nice little sliding catch in the corner there. Two hits for Ref Snyder. Rob Ref Snyder very quietly hitting 287 with an 821 OPS. Only player that never disappoints me. Yeah, I know if Rob Rushliner's up there, I'm getting a great at bat and solid defense. Made a nice catch on left field as well. Yep. What has Adam Duvall done since coming back? Nothing. Yeah, well, no, he had, he had that double that led to a run getting scored, but he's been rough. Yeah, 0 for 4 tonight. But that's not shocking, and I, I think the other thing is... Well, dude, I mean, if, he, was, he was hitting the shit out of the ball during his little uh, rehab yeah, stint but, there. Well, he had a couple he has, homers. He has two hits since coming back. Two hits yeah. in what six games? Yeah, yeah. I, I think you look at Duvall. It's just like Adam Duvall is going to be Adam Duvall. I, I'd love to say you know he was going to be as hot as hell as he was to start the year. It's going to be you know like low two hundred batting average, and he's going to hit jacks. That's what you hope for. He should be a little better. He almost has basically another spring underneath him at this point. It's like yeah. twenty more at bats. He's two for eighteen with a double and a single since coming back. Can I ask you out uh, where you're sitting on the Garrett Whitlock? situation i'm all the way in i I said this after his last start did like seeing another start of him doing it is you just kind of at the point now where you're like no i expect it now you expect it Mm -hmm. oh yeah i expect it now 17 whiffs tonight and for you jared i know you'll like this sinker was up half a tick so 0.6 miles per hour the sweeper was up half a tick as well look at that uh, change up is still down two miles per hour on the year, which is good. That's what we want. That's the you know difference in speed he needs to be at. There you go. 17 whiffs. 17. 
Yeah. I mean, are, are, is that where you're at? Because I, I feel oh, yeah. like since coming off the injured list, uh, outside, he had what? One start where he gave up four earned or something like that? Yeah. Against the Rays where the defense was shitting the bed. Yeah. Did I see somewhere that Alex Verdugo is the only everyday player on the Boston Red Sox to have like a, a defensive run save that's in like the positives? That wouldn't shock me. That makes or sense. Like, I didn't see that myself, but they're not like they're, a DRS or like a, oh, it's above average. That's positive. Everyone else is in the negatives. I'd be curious to see because, you know, Wong, well, he plays like basically like he kind of plays the Christian Vasquez role at this point. He's going to play like 100 games a year and McGuire will play 60. Um, that probably isn't enough to technically qualify. Hmm. I know Devers in terms of out above average, he's at like 65th percentile, but DRS usually doesn't love him. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's one of the bigger problems on this team. Defense fucking sucks. Uh, any final thoughts on this series before we do a little fucking uh, stop and shop look ahead so we can go to bed? It's one forty-five in the morning. I don't think so. Just go into New York and take care of business. Yeah. Or right. face New York and take care of business at Fenway. Nice little off day coming up. I'm very excited for the off day because that means that I can get my my HBO Max on. And, uh, what are you going to watch? Like me, yeah, well, there's a lot of stuff on there. If you're like me, what you watch depends on what kind of mood you're in. And I don't know that I'm in a, I'm not in a sad mood. Maybe I'm kind of just like, I'm craving a comedy. Need a little pick-me-up. And that's why Max is my first pick for winning entertainment. Sometimes I'm craving comedies like Friends. Or South Park. You ever a South Park kid? No. I feel like that's before your time. No. You ever see the South Park movie? I hope no one saw that. Um, don't watch this if you saw that. Uh, no. I was oh, not shoving five guys fries into my mouth. But no, never was a big South Park kid. Interesting. All right. I feel like you would like it. Uh, sometimes I'm totally into the dramas. Like the HBO originals Succession. And I also love the cooking shows like Chopped and Beat Bobby Flay. And don't get me started with movies like Lord of the Rings and Shazam Fury of the Gods, Tyler. I love Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I know you do. Max is the streaming destination that has the best entertainment for whatever mood I'm in anytime. And plans start as little as $9.99 a month. Max the one to watch. Subscription required. Visit max.com. Uh, but right now, it's time for that Stop and Shop look ahead brought to you by Stop and Shop. My energy is at an all-time low. I'm very... Well, you sound depressed. Yeah, I'm just tired. I'm fucking... It's, it's late. It's been a long week. No days off. Even weekends, I'm, I'm grinding my balls off. Hey, look at me. I'm going to need you to step it up here. I'm going to need you to step it All up. All I do is step it up. Look ahead. No. All I do you're, is step it up. You're pouting. You're pouting right now. I'm not pouting. I'm just fucking tired. Jake, is he pouting? He's just tired. I'm just you're tired, also pouting. Dude. You're also pouting. No, he's not. He's tired too. Pick it up. Let's go. Hustle. The Stop and Shop Look Ahead. Brought to you by Stop and Shop. Head on down to Stop and Shop. 
If you buy five pounds of tangerines, you get 10 cents off each tangerine when you use the promo code SECTION10 only at Stop and Shop. It's the Boston Red Sox versus the New York Yankees. Woo! Rivalry renewed, am I right? Suck on it. Oh, yeah. Tanner Houck versus Domingo Herman. Brian Bayo versus Clark Schmidt. That game is on Fox 715. Uh, and then James Paxton and the Yankees have not named a starter for Sunday Night Baseball, those fucking cowards. You kidding me? Red Sox. Yankees. Again. <laughs> Domingo Herman is 4-3 and three with a 3.49 ERA and 0.99 whip and an 8.6 strikeouts per nine. Domingo Herman's last start was against the Red Sox in the Bronx this past weekend. Six innings, six hits, one earned run, two walks, five strikeouts, and a homer. Red Sox had eight hard-hit balls off Herman in that outing. Devers uh, had two, including his 108.4-mile-per-hour home run, which was the hardest hit off of Herman in the game. Arroyo and JT had uh, two hard hits as well. Reese McGuire's 105.5 mile per hour double and Kike's 98.2 mile, mile per hour line out round out the list. The Red Sox were four for eight with a double and a home run on hard hit balls. Herman got nine whiffs in the game, seven on his curveball and two on his changeup for the 23% clip on the night. Red Sox smoked his four seam, averaging 98.2 miles per hour exit velo on four balls in play. Yankees are seven and five when he pitches and have won four straight. Red Sox hitters 247 with a 766 OPS. Verdugo, five for 15, three doubles and a homer. Reese McGuire, four for nine, two doubles and a homer. And then opposing Domingo Herman would be Tanner Houck, who's three and six with a 523 ERA, a 126 whip, and an 8.8 strikeouts per nine. Last time out against the Yankees, he was excellent, but he did give up home runs, two of them. And uh, shocker, lack of run support. Six innings, three hits, two earned runs. They were both solo shots, one walk, six strikeouts. Houck had 14 whiffs in this game, which is in the upper half for him and starts this year. Seven on the slider, four splitter, two sinker, one four seam. Uh, the seven whiffs on 12 swings from the slider was great, 58%. The Yankees hit the ball very hard, though, averaging 95.9 mile per hour uh, exit velo on 14 balls in play. Nine of the 14 were hard hit, but Yankees uh, were only three for nine on those plate appearances. He actually got seven outs on hard hit balls uh, as one was a double play. Five of the hard hit balls had uh, hit distances below 90 feet. One of the two home runs was fluky. That was the, uh, that was the unicorn. It was only a home run at Yankee Stadium. That was what, Willie Calhoun? Um, Tanner Houck clearly amped up. Uh, all of his pitches were up half a mile an hour, and his sinker was 94.2, which is uh, 0.7 miles per hour higher than his uh, season average. Red Sox are 5-7 and seven when he pitches, and they've lost six straight. Yankees hitters, 178 with a 573 OPS. DJ LeMahieu, 0 for 11. Josh Donaldson, 1 for 10 with five strikeouts, which does sync up because I think it was last, last summer I was talking to Donaldson and he was like, what's the deal with this, this Hout kid? I was like, he's nasty, right? He's like, yeah, he's fucking filthy. One for 10 with five strikeouts huh? against Tanner Hout. In game two, Brian Bayo versus Clark Schmidt. Clark Schmidt, two and six with a 470 ERA, a 140 whip and a 9.4 strikeouts per nine. By game score, his outing on Sunday night against the Red Sox was his third best this year. Five and a third, four hits, one earned, no walks, four strikeouts. 
Uh, he is walking 2.6 batters per nine this year and 3.4 walks per nine for his career in the Red Sox. Uh, yeah, so they didn't work one walk in that outing. Let's go. Let's figure that shit out. Red Sox had seven hard hit balls off of Schmidt out of the 15 balls in play. Uh, Duran had two of the hardest with a 110 mile per hour double and a 109.8 mile per hour single. Casas had two as well, the third hardest at 103.4. Uh, that was a flyout and another 97.3 mile per hour flyout. Turner, Verdugo, Kike round out the list. Clark Schmidt, normally a sweeper, sinker, cutter, curve, changeup pitcher, but he went cutter, sweeper, curve, sinker. No changeups against the Red Sox, which was very interesting. Red Sox were two for eight with two singles against the cutter. 0 for seven with two strikeouts against the sweeper and the curve. Uh, they did their only damage against the sinker. Two for four, a double, and a homer. Red Sox uh, only had seven whiffs all night. Good for 16% of swings. Uh, only had three ground outs against Schmidt. So hopefully seeing him consecutively results in harder contact. Uh, those flyouts can carry a little bit. Uh, Yankees, four for 10 when he starts. Four and 10 when he starts and have lost four straight. Red Sox hitters, 273 with a 961 OPS against Clark Schmidt. Casas, McGuire, and JT have the home runs against Schmidt. Brian Bale, three and four, a 378 ERA, a 134 whip, 8.4 strikeouts per nine. Game score had his most recent outing as the best start of the year. Seven innings, three hits, two earned, two walks, three strikeouts. The seven innings is just the second time that he's done that all year. Three strikeouts matches a season low, but five total base runners is also a new season low. Uh, Bayo allowed 10 hard hit balls on 21 balls in play. The Yankees were two for nine with a pair of singles and reaching on an error in those plays. Only had seven whiffs all game, but five came on the changeup, uh, which he set a new season high with 28.6% usage. Against the sinker, 0 for 6, two strikeouts. Changeup, 1 for 8 with a single strikeout. Four seam, 0 for 4. Uh, slider was the second lowest usage of the season at 16.3%, but he still gave up a double on it. Uh, on six balls in play against this changeup, Yankees have averaged 77.6% exit velo, so soft, soft contact. Uh, Red Sox 6 and 4 when Bayo pitches. Yankees hitters are hitting 246 with a 615 OPS. Against him, Rizzo, 0 for 5. And then the Yankees have not named a starter again at this time for Sunday, but James Paxton in the series finale. Paxton, 2 and 1 with a 309 ERA, a 116 whip, and a 12.4 strikeouts per nine. Huh. Since his only bad start of the year, he's gone three starts, 18 innings, 14 hits, four runs, three earned, four walks, 25 strikeouts, opponents hitting. Uh, or no, it's a 150 ERA, a 116 FIP, and a 551 OPS. All those great stats. Not a ton of luck involved. It's a 318 BABIP. Um, has not allowed a home run in these starts. Uh, Paxton is now in the 93rd percentile for strikeout percentage and 89th for whiff rate. I know we talked about trading him earlier, Tyler, but this is a guy that I probably like, hey, you want a little extension piece? Yeah, hey, that's an option too. I'm not against that either. Yeah. He throws three main pitches here, and their whiff numbers are as follows. Four seam, 29%. Curveball, 37%. And the cutter, 34.5%. His four seam has 23 strikeouts, more than double his next closest pitch, which is interesting. A lot of guys just like aren't fucking throwing four seamers anymore. 
Uh, the Red Sox are only two and four when he starts, despite his 4.42 runs of support per game. Yankees hitters, 230 batting average, a 708 OPS. John Carlos Stanton, for a lefty righty matchup, he is 0 for 6 with five strikeouts. DJ LeMayhew, 0 for 7 with a walk and a strikeout. Prediction time. Uh, I know breaking news. I mean, it's taken a long time to get to that, but Jake, you are you're done with sweet predictions. Yeah, I'm out. You're out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're really just not giving me much of a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I got the Red Sox getting swept this weekend. Wow! This is a rough moment. This is sad. I mean... I don't blame them. Talk about Verdugo getting benched. Jake going with the reverse sweep is... That's probably a shot across the bow that they did not expect. Whew. Um, Tyler, what do you have? Uh, I'll be. I'll try to be in positive. I'll go two out of three. Do I feel super confident? No, but I'm hoping tonight sparks the lineup. Yoshida with an off day, as we've seen, usually kind of wakes him up a little bit. Uh, maybe he can kind of figure it out. You're staying at Fenway for the series. I'm a little worried about Tanner Houck, them seeing him again this quickly uh, with some of his struggles Damn. going. You know, going through a lineup more than once. We saw it kind of was not trending in the best direction as that start went on in the same week. Whatever. I trust Brian Bayo. I trust James Paxson. I hope those guys can lead you in. I just expect the offense to be better than what it has been. There's no way it can continually be this bad. Uh, stepped up tonight. I think they carry a little bit of that, but I'm telling you, whatever game they lose, it will be in the most painful way possible because that's just what this team does. Yeah, I'm with you. I was actually going to say the same thing about Hauk. I don't uh, love him having back-to-back starts against the same team, although the Yankees can't really fucking hit either without Judge. Um, but Herman, for whatever reason, pitches well against the Red Sox. So I, I'm going to go two out of three loss win win without knowing who's starting on Sunday. But like, who fucking cares? Yeah, I think I'll follow the same pattern. Loss win win two out of three for the Sox. And Jake's got a sweep for the Yankees. Um, sad day. Sad day. It's a bad day. Sad day. A bad day. Um, all right. Uh, that does it for the one hour podcast right we did better this time hour and a half it's 2 a.m i know i'm really tired same uh jake's takes i got nothing (laughs) jake wants to go to bed same uh tyler any final thoughts apologies for my haiku i know i fucked up the first line you know what 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 Read it. <laughs> oh, no. Read it. Okay, hold on. I'm pulling it up. Read it. <sighs> Read it. Okay. Red Sox. Avoid the sweet. Five syllables. Ref Snyder for president. Whitlock is pure filth. Tyler Milliken. The poet. Fuck. Avoid sounds like one syllable. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Avoid. 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 No. Uh, Avoid. Jake, what should what should the punishment be for Tyler fucking up a haiku? Bring him to a Red Sox game. Yeah, that'll be your punishment. You got to go to Fenway. I'm down. I- I'm ready. I- I- it's my time to spread my wings. Uh, I was out tonight. I went to an event. 
What event did you go to? What do you mean? What event did you go to? Are, are you fucking kidding me right now? Look at what what's today's date? Oh, oh yeah. The Boss for Bullet tribute yeah. concert. How was the concert? Bruce Springsteen was fucking electric. I, I could not believe how much he brought in. Yeah. You know, he did a little impromptu speech about Bullet as they had a slideshow. Mm-hmm. That um, was ludicrous. Did Ludacris show up? He was a little late, but okay. he did make it uh, before curfew. But really, I, I thought Bow Wow stole the show over him a little bit. Yeah. What about ZZ Top? Um, didn't show. Didn't show? Did, did Just did not give a fuck. No way. I, I Trust me, I was just as hurt, but it's okay. It didn't ruin the night. Bruce Springsteen ruin, went yeah. on. Springsteen always goes for like three hours. So three encores. Yeah. We had wow. a little hologram of bullet running around on the stage yeah. during the concert. Yeah. It, was, it was electric. Wow. That's awesome. Bruce Springsteen, Lil Bow Wow, and Ludacris for the bullet tribute show at TD Garden tonight. Um, I wish I could have been there, but obviously, you know, I've got to, I've got to work. Um, a lot of people ask for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I did like the little video. Like I filmed like a video that they showed, uh, at the end of the concert. Yeah. Thank all the people that came. What a guy. Yeah. Thanks Um, for showing up, Jake though. I do appreciate it. Jake was orchestrating everything. Jake loves ludicrous. Oh, he was going nuts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll be back at the end of the Yankee series. Enjoy your off day. And um, I guess go, go, uh, go Red Sox. Red Sox. Let's, Let's go, go Red Sox. Sox. Let's, Let's go, go Red Sox. Sox. Go Red Sox. Buenas noches, amigos. <laughs>